Welcome to this podcast from The Well, a United Methodist Church in Rosemount, Minnesota. Thank you for taking the time to listen. For more information, please check us out at thewellmn.church. Grace and peace be with you. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning and welcome to Worship at the Well. I'm Pastor Ed and I am honored to be with you this morning. It's a great day to be at church. A lot of good things are happening. Let's go through the announcements and then I've got other announcements. We're going full Minnesota this Wednesday. Hot dishes, hot dishes, hot dishes. Tater tots, scalp potatoes, sauerkraut, Mexican hot dish, spaghetti pie. It's just, you know, you see that Minnesota all over there. Come and join us. It's a great night. Uh, always enjoy the Wednesday night dinners. All are welcome. After dinner, we have a lot of activities happening at church. There's activities for children and for youth. Uh, there's pickleball and there's choir. Uh, there's a Bible study that meets later at 7.30 for the men. And uh, afterwards, after the dinner, there is a group called What Does It Mean to Be Affirming? This is a great group that talks about reconciling ministries. What does it mean to welcome all people? What does it look like? How do we express that? They're reading a great book by Tyler Sitt called Staying Awake. He's a Minnesota pastor who I think highly of. All are welcome at that. Books are available at the information booth for $10. And just two weeks till Heartburn Sunday... I'm sorry, two weeks to chili cook-off, and everybody can help us with that, either by cooking or by putting something in the silent auction. Uh, All those offerings are so welcome and appreciated. It's going to be a great event. Our 30 Days to Thrive campaign. Now, let me back up a little bit. The well is wrestling with what to do with our debt. Our $5 million building has a debt of about $550,000. In bank speak, that's a great uh, debt-to-value ratio. That's really good. We are paying down that debt with a $16,000 mortgage payment every month. And we're paying it down at the amazing rate of $14,500 per month. Now, the challenge is... That's a lot of money, the 16000 Sometimes our cash flow gets really pinched because we're putting so much money into the building. And so the finance and the ELT are working on a plan. And it starts with this campaign, 30 Days to Thrive. For 30 days, we're collecting money to help us with this challenge, okay? As of today, we have received $37,000. That's a lot. Say amen. Yeah. We need your help. A little bit more will make a difference. Every family that can give something makes a big difference to that. Put on your check 30 days or capital fund or or special offering, whatever you want to write on there. We'll figure that out. But this is really important because we have two choices in front of us. The first one is stay the course. 35 more payments like this and we're debt free. That's really appealing. That's less than three years. But that's a lot of money every month. We can also refinance and cut the payment in half, but then we make more payments. And, you know, it's sort of six to one, seven and the other, which is better, we're not quite sure. ELT and finance are working on this this week, and they will come back with a recommendation next week, and I'll be able to make it clear. But every dollar, in the meantime, makes a giant difference. So if you can contribute to that, we sure appreciate it. What else do we have? Holy Week. 
Palm Sunday, March 24th. Then we'll have Wednesday night Veshers, Friday, Good Friday, Stations of the Cross, and of course, Easter Sunday. Um, start making your plans now. We are collecting money for Easter flowers. You can get a an order form as you exit today or at the information booth. And unfortunately, we only have one more Sunday to get these ordered. So today or next Sunday to order these, we appreciate your offering to help make our sanctuary beautiful. Easter egg hunt coming up Saturday 30th. It's only for adults, so kids stay home. Oh, wait, I got that wrong. It's, it's for the kids. Never mind. Adults, no, adults come along take pictures. It'll be a lot of fun. Okay, we have other things happening. About 30 years ago, I started a hobby, uh, making mosaics. Now, if you know anything about mosaics, it's slow and tedious work. My daughter was making one for a high school project. I sat down every night and tried to help her. The third night, she slapped my hand and said, get your own. <laughs> I went to Menards, I bought some white and black tiles, hit them with a hammer, I made my first cross, and probably three or four thousand dollars in tiles later, I'm still doing mosaics. A couple of the ones I've made are here. I haven't even hung this up this year. This is one I did. And then this one's out of porcelain. Mosaics make a lovely uh, image, and they last forever. You know, uh, This will be here long after I'm gone, I'm guessing. If you go to Italy today, you can walk on 2,000-year-old art. 2,000-year-old art, you can still walk on it because it's a mosaic made out of stones, and it's amazing. Um, so we are going to make a cross. I've done this at other churches to hang in our narthex somewhere. It says the well on it. It's going to be basically blues and dark blues. The lettering, the well, is going to be in white. Okay. I want every person here to put a tile on today. Okay. There'll be somebody to help you in the narthex after the service. There's two rules. Smooth side up. Everybody say that. Smooth side up. Because people don't do that. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> don't do the lettering today. Don't hang your tile off the edge, and we'll be good, okay? So uh, we hope that you can all participate in that as well. Now, those are fun announcements. Money coming to the church, making a mosaic, and that's not even the best part. Lori, Lori come up and tell us the best part. Good morning, church family. My name is Lori Nash, and I'm a member of the SPRC committee. Today, it is my great honor and privilege to make the following announcement to you. It is the intention of Bishop Lynette Plambeck to appoint the Reverend Chad Gilbertson, pastor of the Well, United Methodist Church, and acting on behalf of the congregation, the staff pastor parish relations committee has affirmed the bishop's intention. Each church member's support of prayers and acts of kindness during this transition period will be greatly appreciated by all of the involved persons. This announcement is also being made at the Holy Trinity UMC congregation this morning, where Pastor Chad currently serves. Pastor Chad's first Sunday will be June 30th. This news will also be shared with you via mail. We'll be having a mailing, and a bio of uh, Pastor Chad will also be shared with the congregation. Um, I, this is awesome news, and we rejoice in this. So please 
share your views. And the conference sent a really helpful brochure with lots of biographical information, and I was supposed to print 200 copies, and the printer said no. <laughs> We're not doing that today. We're going to mail them out to everybody in church on Tuesday, and we'll have some available during the week if you want to come by and pick something up. But we rejoice in this happy news. Having Chad here is going to be the next step in this congregation's life, and I know it's going to be a really good one. So... With all of those announcements, please rise as you are able for our call to worship. We're in our Lenten season now, the journey to the cross. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you, O God, I place my trust. Make known your paths. Lead me in your truth. Your kingdom is coming near. Be present in our midst. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you, O God, I place my trust. Amen. The Holy Scripture for today is from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. We've had a good time going through Mark together. Today marks the third story that begins with somebody running up to Jesus and kneeling in front of him. We had that wild man living in the cemetery that no one could bind, and just the sight of Jesus brings him to his knees and begs for help. Then we had the powerful man, Jairus, running up in front of Jesus, humbling himself on his knees, asking him to come save his daughter. And now, after the wild man and the powerful man, we have the rich man. Jesus left that place and went beyond the Jordan into the region of Judea. So he was on one side of the Jordan, now he's come to the Israel side of the river. Crowds gathered around him again, and as usual, he taught them. Mark's big on crowds, isn't he? Talks about when it's too crowded to preach, too crowded to get in the house, got to go preach in the boat out from the shore. Too many people around, don't tell anybody about this. I'm tired of all these crowds. And we have another crowd, and as usual, it says, Jesus taught them. That's what he does when a crowd comes. Some Pharisees came and trying to test him. <laughs> that was last week's lesson, but it's a good one. Should I read it again? <laughs> when, the brochure, when, the bulletin, when the printer didn't print this morning, I couldn't print out the text. So we'll just read all of Mark's gospel. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump ahead. As Jesus continued down the road, a man ran up, knelt before him, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? You had one chance to ask Jesus the question, is that it? I don't know. It's not a bad one. Good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? I want eternal life. What's required? Let me know. And, and Jesus is going to, to turn this thing on him right away. He calls the man, he calls Jesus good teacher. Seems fair enough. He's starting with a compliment. And public discourse and civility and courtesy would imply that Jesus responds with a compliment. Good man. Thank you. He doesn't do that. Jesus replied, Why do you call me good? 
No one is good except the one God. Is that true? Is only God good? I don't, I, I don't think I agree with Jesus, and I can't say that very often. I know a lot of good people who I would be happy to call good. They're not perfect, but I know a lot of good people, and to me, good seems like an appropriate title, but Jesus is somehow not playing this game with him. We're not going to start with your, your, this compliment and turn it around. Why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. You know the commandments. All right. Who knows their Ten Commandments? Of course, I told you there's 613. We're going to have a quiz this morning. Do you know all ten? Do not take the, um, you, you shall have no other gods before me. That's one. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now that's three of the ten. And theologians and Bible experts call that the first table of the law. Because all three of those commandments have to do with our relationship to God. The next seven commandments have to do with our relationship to each other. Number four, honor your father and your mother. Number five, you shall not commit murder. Number six, you shall not commit adultery. Number seven, you shall not steal. Number eight, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, nine and ten are tricky because Methodists skipped one. It said, After I am um, the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. Then he says, do not make a graven image. And a lot of churches say that's number two. Wesley Luther said, no, that's not a commandment. That's an explanation of the first. But to get to Ten Commandments, now they got a problem. they got to get two more out of the list. And all the rest of the commandments are about coveting. So Martin and John got together. No, they didn't. They were hundreds of years apart. <laughs> and so the way we'll do this is this. Number nine is you should not covet your neighbor's house. Okay, that's good. Number ten. You should not covet anything that is your neighbor's. You should not covet uh, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's cattle, your neighbor's oxen, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Notice for a second, it didn't say you cannot covet your neighbor's husband. <laughs> it's a loophole. <laughs> it's not really a loophole because that commandment wasn't written for women. It's written for men. Because 3,000 years ago, when Moses was doing all this stuff, more than that, 3,600 years ago, women didn't count. Notice they're listed with the animals and the house and all the property. They belong to the husband. Good thing we don't do that today, right? So when you have a wedding, what does the bride's father do? Oh, he gives away the bride. <laughs> that sounds kind of... Ancient, doesn't it? All right, where was I? Okay. Jesus says, you know the commandments. You know the commandments. Do not commit murder. That'd be five. Do not commit adultery. That'd be six. Do not steal. That's seven. Do not give false testimony. That's eight. Do not cheat. What? <laughs> that's not one of the ten. I knew Jesus wasn't up on these. <laughs> We're a little unclear. 
We're a little unclear. What does he mean? Of course, we shouldn't cheat, but how does that fit into the Ten Commandments? And then he says, honor your father and your mother. He gets back to number four. Sequence is a little different. The wording's a little bit different, but it's the same basic concept. Notice he didn't mention any of the first three commandments. All the commandments he listed are the second table of the law that had to do with our relationship to one another. Teacher, he responded. Notice he didn't say good teacher. He's learned. Teacher responded, I've kept all these things since I was a boy. Wow. That's pretty good. I can honestly say, with some embarrassment, I have not kept all these things. He says, I have kept all these things. When he's talking to Jesus himself, I have kept these commandments since I was a child. In Jewish law, small children aren't expected to keep the law. Adults are. The crossover point, when a child is supposed to be able to keep the commandments, is when they can tell their right hand from their left. Interesting. I've kept all these since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. Jesus looked at him carefully, and he loves this man. I could be in this story. Would that I could stand there and Jesus loved me. I get the chance to talk to him, to hear it from him. Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. He said, you lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give your money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. If Jesus himself walked down the aisle this morning and said, Ed, I love you, sell everything you own and give it away, what would I do? I don't think I could. Now, there's a lot of preachers that try to rationalize this. Well, it's not practical to sell everything you have and give it to the poor because then you're poor. It doesn't make any sense because then people will have to take care of you. Then they say, well, you see, the reason Jesus says this to the man is that he loves his money more than he loves anything else. It's his ultimate concern, Paul Tillich would say. And as long as money's not your highest concern, you're good. I'll take this out, okay? <laughs> I can say I love the Lord with all my heart and soul and mind and strength and love my neighbor as myself, just so long I don't have to give away all that money. I don't think I could do that. I talk about him a lot, but Francis of Assisi, St. Francis, gave away everything he had. Everything. He even stripped himself naked in front of the, in front of the township. And people would give him clothes. And if he ever met a person whose clothes were worse than his, he'd swap with them. He never touched money for the rest of his life. He wouldn't let any of his disciples even touch money. They had to beg for it and put it in a cup. If he found them touching money, uh, he did bad things to them. Don't worry about it. There was no, nothing to do with that. He wanted to live as poor as he possibly could. And the Franciscans did that. Notice when our current pope became pope, he changed his name to Francis. First pope to ever do that. And he's done a lot of good to the church, getting rid of some of the wealth and the money. 
But the, you know, the interesting thing, I was in Assisi, and there's still Franciscans to this day. There's two types. There's the types that have the big robes, and they're talking on their cell phone going down the street. Those are the Franciscans. Whew. And then there's the other type of Franciscan standing on the corner in really crummy clothes, begging for money for dinner. Which one would Francis like today? Interesting. So giving away all you have to the poor, maybe not practical. Maybe this is meant to condemn this man because he values his money too much. But how much is too much? If I can't give it away, if I can't give it all away, is that too much? What if I give that tenth, that tithe? Is that enough? I had a rich man ask me once, Pastor, shouldn't there be an upper limit on that tithe thing? <laughs> he said, you know, I, I give a lot of money. And he says, you know, I have a lot more money than most people. Shouldn't there be like a, a cap? And I said, yes, there can be a cap on this. Don't worry about it. Just pray to God to limit your income. <laughs> he didn't like that. <laughs> I don't like this story. I like a lot of these stories, but a part of me thinks he's talking to me. A part of me thinks he's saying, Ed, where are your values? What is it you really prioritize? What's the most important thing in your life? Is it really your love for the Lord? Is it really your love for other people? Can you show it? But the man was dismayed at this statement and went away saddened because he had many possessions. This is a favorite theme in art. I've got a couple pictures, Laura, if you pull those up. This is by an artist named Hoffman. He did that famous painting of Jesus that hangs in all the churches. And that's the same Jesus there. Um, what's behind Jesus' head? Notice there's a couple little lights coming out. Oh, you don't see it very well there. Look back here. See, there's a couple lights coming out from his head. There's a little bit of a halo effect. It's not big and gaudy, but it's there. He's got the glow. And take a look at the rich man. That guy can dress. <laughs> that guy can walk a red carpet right now looking like that. He looks great. And he's got his hand on his hip, kind of just well, like, I'm too good for this. That's not what he is in the story, is it? He's down on his knees. Good teacher. Doesn't express it to me. And he goes away saddened because he's a rich man. I'm not sure I like this illustration, but notice where Jesus' hands are pointing to some poor man in the background who looks like he needs lots of help. This is tricky, isn't it? The second one is an illustration from a Japanese Bible. Oops, we'll come back to that one in a second. Let's do the next one, Laura. There we go. This is a Japanese Jesus. Notice the bamboo in the background. I love it when artists paint Jesus into their culture. And there goes the rich man away, saddened, turned his back on Jesus and looks like he's heard bad news. Okay, now we can go back to the other one, Laura, thank you. I meant to show this when I was talking about the uh, mosaics. 
That big golden one, Laura. If we, there we go. This is one of my favorite mosaics in the world. That Jesus is probably 40 feet tall. Every single inch of that you see there is done out of stone. If you go to Florence, Italy, this is the baptistry. And it's amazing. This isn't even the main church. You go in there, and that's the image of Jesus. It's like, oh, that's the one that speaks to me. Everybody gets a different image. That one speaks to me. I really like it. His hands are wide open. He's sitting down. He's calm. He's wounded. You can see the hands and his feet are wounded. But he's there welcoming all people. I meant to do that with the mosaics, but that's fine. All right, continuing on, because we've got to get this done. Here we go. Looking around, Jesus said to his disciples, it will be very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. Uh-oh. Just so you know, people, you're wealthy. You, I don't have as much money as I want, but I have a lot. I have more than most. And we all have more than people who live around the world. I've been to Honduras over 20 times. There's almost not a single person in that country that wouldn't swap spots with you financially. You may just not be just barely getting by, but you're getting by at a higher level than they are. And it's sort of relative, isn't it? My daughter's first trip to Honduras, she was 11. She came home and said, Dad, thank you for taking me. I thought everybody lived like we lived. So that wasn't true. Okay, I, I digress. Children, it's difficult to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. Now, about the 1800s, some pastor came up with a theory. Well, that's not as hard as it sounds. There is a gate in the old wall of Jerusalem that is low enough if a camel gets on his knees can get through. Just make it through that eye of the needle, they called it. It's a really good story that just isn't true. <laughs> Archaeologists have done literally every single inch of that wall. There is no history of a gate being called the eye of the needle. There's no history of a gate being that size. It's just something a pastor made up and it's stuck. So if you want to believe that, that's fine. But it's, I think it's hyperbole. A, a camel can't fit through the eye of a needle. They were shocked, the disciples, and said to each other, then who can be saved? See, they can't do it either. Well, that's the requirement. What, what's the chance? Who's going to get saved? Jesus looked at them carefully and said, It is impossible with human beings, but with God, all things are possible for God. Now we have some grace, finally, don't we? Yeah, that's impossible, Ed, but not for God. My salvation doesn't depend upon me giving away everything. My salvation depends on God loving me unconditionally and accepting me just as I am and welcoming into that beloved kingdom. I'll stop there. There's more, but we'll stop. What do we take away from this rich man? He's humbled in a way he didn't expect right away. Why are you calling me good? Oh, keep all the commandments. Oh, I've done that. Maybe he's just being too proud of himself. I don't know. Maybe he has kept the commandments. We don't know that about him. Give it all away. It's too hard. I can't do that. I'm not a Franciscan. I can't do that. Don't worry. What's impossible for you is possible with God. Grace to you and peace from God who is our Father 
our Lord and our Savior, who's Jesus the Christ. Amen. As we go from here, never forget, we do not go alone. God's own Spirit goes with you, always ready to help you in your weakness. We go in confidence and joy, knowing that wherever we go, we are surrounded by the love and mercy of God. Amen.